Okay, hi everybody, my name is Lynn and this is my friend Karen and we have been on a journey of navigating our different spiritual giftings and it's always been helpful for the two of us to have conversations around how I discern situations and how she discerns. There may be, um, we may experience them differently, but um, it's the same thing that we are discerning. So we just wanted to encourage those that may want to listen and just share some experiences and a few pointers to help you and encourage you on your journey of discerning. So my first comment or question is, so Karen, for the a person trying to understand what discernment looks like, feels like, sounds like, whatever it may be, because we have five senses, where does the journey of recognizing that you're actually discerning something or is this the gift of discernment? What would your comments or encouragement be to people that are listening to this? Yeah, so I think the first thing is like, what is discernment really? Mm -hmm. And most of it, I mean, I think often, even when we grow up, like we usually know the difference between right and wrong and what's, you know, we kind of just get a, we describe it, I suppose, as a feeling or whatever. Um, so, yeah, sometimes you walk into a place and you just feel a little bit uncomfortable or you're wanting to drive somewhere and you feel like you should take a different direction. So, um, yeah, I think uh, for me, you know, I, like you said, we use our different senses. So we've got spiritual senses and we've got natural senses. Um, so we need to know kind of what's going on with ourselves, what's going on with other people. So my main thing is like, check yourself at the door. So if you were in a really good mood and then you went out and you walked into the shopping center and suddenly you're feeling frustrated or angry or nervous or whatever your emotion is, but it's totally different to what you were five minutes before, then maybe just start to ask God what's going on. Um, mm. Am I just learning something? Has something happened that you know, I didn't notice? Or mm, I think it's always an invitation to speak to God and to communicate with him and he'll show us more. So part of discernment for me is that it doesn't always make sense. And I think that sometimes is the struggle that people experience is suddenly you feeling one way and then the next moment you're feeling another way and it does, doesn't make sense. And so perhaps a starting point in understanding and navigating, I'm um, discerning something is, as you say, there's a, a sudden shift and a change and it's okay that it doesn't make sense because you are suddenly experiencing something that is not your norm. Do you agree with that comment? Yes. I mean, I think it's important for us to know what our, our normal is, I guess. Mm -hmm. And to know, you know, there's times and seasons that we go through where things are harder. So maybe we are ourselves um, feeling a little bit more emotion than we usually would. Mm -hmm. uh, and especially like I look at the situation now and where we are and you know what's going on in the whole world so things are intense um, mm -hmm. so we need to be sure that we are processing our own things so that when we do step into other spaces we know if it's us or if it's other people or if it's an atmosphere um, yeah so I think most of our conversations have really been about discerning the atmosphere and what's going on yeah over, over regions over places um, which like you say, if you felt fine a few minutes before and now it's different. So it is confusing. I really think it helps mm. to have people to talk to. Mm. It's kind of the reason why you know, it really helps to just make you not feel so crazy. Somebody else is experiencing it too. Yeah. 
And if I think on, you know, think back to our conversations, often the starting point for us is I'm not sure if this is me or if it's an atmosphere. So then as we have the conversation, either one of us starts to recognize, well, actually, no, maybe this is something that's been triggered in me that I need to deal with. Holy Spirit's revealing it to deal with it. Or I know I've dealt with this. I've had a journey on this issue. And I'm just really aware because it's something that I've had to grow through and learn through. And now we have that opportunity to now pray into it for other people. And so for me, the next thing of discussion would possibly be, so we are discerning something, what do we do with it? And how, would you, how do we navigate that space? Knowing that we are called, often if you're discerning, you're called to intercede and pray over things and over people, not to broadcast it. And often when you are discerning something, it is, it's not for us to blurt out and to share with the world and to put on social media, but it's about God entrusting um, something personal and vulnerable about another person or a nation or an organization where we need to partner with his freedom and what he's called that person or organization to. So quite a long comment, but in all of this discerning is actually for interceding, yeah. praying. What is yes, it? Like? I, I think we're always showing things to help others come into freedom and to help others walk in their destiny. So it's never, you know, even if we're discerning something that may feel negative, um, that's not what heaven's plan is for that person. That's not what God's plan is for that area or what's going on. So I think, yeah, like you say, what battle we fought is to help other people come into freedom as well. And what we're discerning is to help lead other people in. So it's not always even that we have to speak it or we have to even find the person that we feel it for um, or if it's over an area, but exactly that we can intercede, we can pray and we can ask God for keys. Like what is, what is heaven doing in this space? What is God wanting to do in this space? And we can call that down and, mm, and shift the atmosphere totally. Mm. Mm. And so when you shift the atmosphere, what, what, how do we know that that atmosphere has shifted? Is it sometimes because you can literally feel the atmosphere change? Or is it sometimes waiting to see the fruit of whatever is in that person's life shift? So sometimes, would you say it's an instant thing? Or is it sometimes something that we keep praying into, we keep declaring what God has shown us is destined for this person until you see that, person starting to walk into into all that God has shown you. So sometimes it might be an instant thing and other times it's about you partnering with what heaven's shown you for that person. Yes, I think it's both. And I also think sometimes while a lot of it we do do on our own, like you and I have had conversations where sometimes we'll be like, okay, well, we're picking up on this, so let's pray together. So sometimes we can partner with other people to help shift things. For me personally, it, it's if I shift my focus and start to worship and, you know, really focus on Jesus, I can feel it instantly. Okay. So even if the, the fruit might not be instant, um, but you can feel the shift. And I think maybe part of it is just that we have changed our focus. So we start to notice more what heaven's doing. Mm. Um, yeah. So I, I agree with you. I think it's both. Sometimes the fruit is instant, but I think the feeling, if we're shifting our focus, can also be instant or almost instant, I suppose. It might and, take a while. 
Okay. And for me, part of the challenge in, in being a discerner is that you can quite easily come under the atmosphere if you aren't engaging in the moment that you, you discern it and, and you start to feel it and experience it and you think, well, this is me. And so, you know, I always use this example of an atmosphere is over here and we here and we come under this atmosphere, we discern it, but we're not called to be under it. We call to be above it. So it's, it's an, for me, the caution is that if you suddenly feel like you in the space where there's heaviness and you're just living in the space of heaviness, have you allowed that atmosphere to come upon you or to be under it where God has called us to be seated in heavenly places and look down on the atmosphere and pray over, speak blessing? Can we fully be fully functional in our gift if we are allowing the atmospheres to weigh us down? And how do we navigate those spaces to make sure that we are remaining seated in heavenly places, looking down on the battle, getting strategy from him? As you say, worship, declare, so that for me is often quite a, an important thing for people that are discerning spaces and atmospheres that they are not overwhelmed in what they're experiencing because it can be, it can be incredibly overwhelming, as you know. Do you have any other comments or encouragements on, those, on that topic? Yeah, I think again, it comes back to what is your normal. Um, and sometimes it is hard to recognize. Sometimes we just having a slightly off day or a bad day or whatever, and we don't even always know why. So I really think it's helpful to have friends that you can talk to or people that you can go to. And, you know, they're going to sometimes help. Um, even if you might discern that something's off and you know that it's not right and you don't feel great or it feels really heavy or intense. But sometimes you can't always pick up on it for whatever reason. And it's not that we're doing something wrong. Like looking back in retrospect is always easier. But the more we do it, I think we start to recognize patterns and we start to recognize that, okay, well, this is different. This is not what I normally feel. Something's changed in the last few minutes. Um, and that sometimes it's really helpful just to have a friend who says, you know what, like, actually, this is what I'm feeling is going on. So absolutely, we need to be seated above and we need to recognize our authority in spaces and not get fearful and not get um, pulled under it. Mm. So, because you can't. It's almost like there's a fog and you can't see your way out. So then it's very hard to um, see through rise it. above that space, really. Mm -hmm. And I think the one example that I have of that um, is when I was praying in a space and we just couldn't get to pray. I mean, we were there to pray and it was quite chaotic and I felt like I just couldn't settle and we just could not start praying. And you talk, you spoke about praying with other people and I was grateful because in that moment I was, I was with people that I had been praying with for a while. So we kind of worked well together and in, in the moment where it just, there was everything trying to stop us from praying, the kids around us were chaotic and suddenly somebody made a comment, which then it kind of jolted me in that moment. And I realized I was completely under the atmosphere. And once it had been recognized for what it was, we could then rise above it and we started worshiping and everything calmed. Everything settled. The kids around us settled. We were able to pray and bless that space. And we literally felt the atmosphere change in that moment. And, and for me, that's the biggest um, encouragement for those that, that may be discerning and not realizing is that how real that atmosphere feels that it's actually you but that when we're partnering and when we're recognizing this is not my normal, this is not actually why, where I normally am, 
and when you can recognize there's, there's resistance because obviously that atmosphere knows that you're there to bring a change. And so to then, as you say, worship, declare, and then you see the change come. Do you have any? No, other? no, no. You also saw, you saw the fruit, even in the children mm -hmm. that were around, like, you know, yeah. go from chaotic to peaceful and joyful again. Yeah. So I definitely think there's something in being together. We're not supposed to be little islands on our own. Yeah. Um, yes, of course, we always want to stay focused on Jesus, but sometimes it just helps for somebody to come alongside and be like, hey, you know, this is going on, let's, let's do this. Mm -hmm. um, but again, the more we do it, I think the more we learn. And I think, yeah, so for me, one of my experiences, I was um, traveling and I was paying for something silly, like a TV license. And the guy behind me was getting so angry because he didn't think we should pay for such things. So you know, he was going on and on. And in the beginning, I made a joke about it and it was kind of funny, but... I could feel the anger rising and like it was weird I, I don't generally feel like that anyway so I left it and I was kind of thinking well I haven't asked him to pay my license I don't know why he's so upset so angry and, yeah and when I walked out um you know I, I still felt that irritation but I didn't really think anything of it until a few minutes later we passed each other again in the shop and again he just got so angry and started talking you know moaning to me again and I asked then, I was like, okay, well, what is actually going on? Because I can feel I'm getting angry now, and that's not a normal for me. Um, and yeah, I asked Holy Spirit, and he was like, no, there's a spirit of rage. And then I started to look around, and you can see it all. So you can see that it's happening. It's not just one person. It's usually mm. happening you know, in a pocket of an area of what's going on. Um, so yeah, once you recognize it, like you said, it's much easier to be rise above and be seated above and to know mm. your position whereas if you can't recognize it it's quite hard sometimes to to know that it's not us yeah mm. and it is going to be a topic that we look on look at in a different recording or a different session but kids are a great indicator kids are often their behavior is is often an atmosphere and so i always say the kids are the thermometer of a home or an or a situational environment and so maybe just a comment for now parents to start watching their kids and how their behavior changes and it's just that it's also helpful for them like okay there's something else going on here because this is not my child's norm so Karen I think for me another thing that's quite important to to discuss is how do we experience discerning of an atmosphere so you know we have five senses we have taste touch hearing vision and smelling <laughs> so it's the same in the supernatural it's the same in our senses so some people might find this a strange concept but it's true i mean you know i will smell things i have seen things but often in retrospect i only know i've seen it um i will feel very strongly and i have tasted you also experience the supernatural in a very real way. So what is your encouragement to people who are starting to experience the supernatural through their senses? Um, yes, we know it's something that grows, but what is your encouragement to people that are on this journey? I was thinking about that this morning, actually. And I think, you know, so I see a lot, which 
a lot of people think makes it much easier, but it's not always. <laughs> you know, just because you see, it doesn't mean you always know what you're seeing. And I, I also sense and feel what's going on. And I was thinking this morning, like I think more often than not, God is going to confirm it through more than one sense. So, you know, the same with our natural senses. We don't only see something. We, we usually experience all our senses. So um, to be asking for more and asking like, okay, uh, I feel this and this feels different. So to not stop there, like I think it's in Daniel 7, like to keep looking and keep asking. And it's often a process. It's not an instant download of everything, all the information at once. God always wants us to communicate with him and to talk to him. So I think if you're feeling anything that's different or if you smell something that's, you know, suddenly unusual and not something you normally smell um, or however that looks, whether you hear ringing bells or whatever it is, mm -hmm. I think the first point is always to ask God, like, hey, what is that? Is it a spiritual sense that I've, you know, suddenly tuned into mm. and what is happening? Mm. Yeah. Because it's, it can be something that we don't notice. And, and maybe that's the key in, in growing in your discernment is to just ask Holy Spirit to open your spiritual awareness through your senses and, and to help you recognize when you're experiencing an atmosphere or smelling something or whatever it is that, that you keep um, becoming aware of it so that your, your, your sensitivity to those things will grow and, and, and then you'll, you do know. And I think part of this question is retrospect is a great teacher. And so often we will have experiences and we don't know what they mean, but in conversation with somebody who's been on this journey for a while, um, it's really helpful. But some things are quite personal to how you discern an atmosphere of witchcraft versus how I discern it. And at the time, you don't know what's going on. But then if you are keeping a journal and if you are keeping a record for yourself, you can go back because Holy Spirit is always teaching. He's always showing. He's always confirming. He's always teaching us. And so for me, I know a huge part of my journey has been learning through retrospect. Has yours been similar? What is your encouragement to people? Yeah, definitely. I also write it down as much as possible because I think, you start to recognize patterns and you start to recognize, hey, I've felt like this before. Um, and sometimes through conversations with other people or whatever, you'll start to learn like, oh, okay, I feel like this when, or asking Holy Spirit and he'll confirm and be like, okay, well, you're feeling this because, or you're sensing or smelling this, and this mm -hmm. is what I'm seeing in the atmosphere. And again, I think talking to people, like I know you and I, we've been in, in worship areas together and been worshiping and we've both sent something in the atmosphere that, and we've sensed it differently, like mm. I might see something and you'll smell something, but then when we go and talk to each other, we're like, hey, that's so cool, because mm. it's the same thing we're experiencing, just in different ways. Yeah. Um, which is always amazing and encouraging, and it just, it helps for things to be confirmed. Because mm. mm. he created us to be the body and to function together. Exactly, yeah. Mm. And, and yeah, so patterns, talking to people, um, I, I think to also just take off the, like, we are crazy thinking, mm. you know, like yeah. it's not about that. More mm. often, I would say always, generally, um, not even more often than not, I think always, there's something going on. So ask Holy Spirit, whether it's a personal thing and it's a heart issue or whether it's an atmosphere thing, generally, you're feeling away because of something. 
Mm. So I think you can always engage with Holy Spirit and always ask what is going on. And you'll start to get more answers. And yeah, keep track, keep record, start to look back. So, Karen, um, just a few minutes to go before we wrap up, but I just think, you know, in terms of applying this understanding of the atmospheres, especially in the space that we're living in right now, because there's actually quite a lot going on for different reasons. There's a huge amount of uncertainty. People are tired of lockdown. Different people have lost income. There is so much, there's fear about going out. You suddenly go out and other people around you are a threat because could they be asymptomatic or could they be carrying the virus? So you can imagine how swirling the atmosphere is, how chaotic it is. How could we encourage people? Because I mean, there are times you do have to go out, you have to go and get food or whatever the scenario may be. So how can we tie all of these things up to encourage people for the space and time that we are living in at present? Knowing that God is a good God, he's given us authority, he's told us to speak to the mountains and they will be moved. You know, he, we've seen him part the, the oceans and, and rivers, you know, and he's the same God yesterday, today and forever. So knowing that, because that's part of being seated in heavenly places, knowing that God has not changed, we still carry authority. What can we encourage people that are going out and experiencing atmospheres and not maybe realizing they're experiencing an atmosphere or even in their home, there could be a regional atmosphere going on. How can we encourage people to what to do with what they're experiencing? I think one of the things, like you say, it is there's a lot of distraction. There's a lot of, I almost call it like noise and atmosphere. Mm -hmm. But in the same way that there's all that in the spiritual, there's also all that in the natural. So I think like don't get constantly focused on watching the news if it's causing you anxiety and making you feel nervous rather spend i'm not saying don't be aware of course know what's going on but you don't have Mm -hmm. to be um totally watching every second if you know that that's making you feel anxious rather spend that time worshiping and and asking god and and so your atmosphere in your house you've always got control over Mm -hmm. so i really believe that you can you can shift that by focusing on god and worshiping, praying, um, creating with God, whatever for you is something that's going to take your mind off being anxious and off feeling um, or tuning into other people's stuff or what's going on in the atmosphere. Because I think from that space, like then you, you already know, like, okay, like for me, home is a great safe space. Um, mm. I know what the atmosphere in my home is like. So if it's different, I know instantly that it's different, something's changed. So shopping centers are a lot more complicated. We have to go out, we have to go shopping. I think often you can walk in and instantly feel fearful Mm. um, at the moment. So yes, let's shift that before we go so we're in a good place. So if you're picking Mm. up on it, you can be like, okay, I know that, like you say, God has not changed. He's the same God. He's still seated. We're still seated in heavenly places with him. He's still above all of this. Mm. and he's got all authority so yeah i think just pray protection before you go out so you have more peace and mm. ask god to just release peace around you and around the other people in the shops because i think everybody is struggling everybody's going through the same experience in a different way um mm. to just like you say not get stuck under it not be seated under all that fog but mm. to rise above it and try and see it from a different view and a different perception yeah, yeah. awesome 
So, yeah, we hope that this has been helpful. Um, some of the other topics we are going to look at are going to be dreams, how God speaks to us through dreams, what we can do with dreams, chatting about children and um, their encounters with the supernatural, how to encourage our children on this journey, just developing their own senses. And as a family, you know, just creating that happy, safe space in your home, you know, together, how we can function together and just prophetically um as, as believers that support one another. So we're going to have a few conversations just to help encourage people on this journey as much as we can. Yeah, so we look forward to seeing you for the next one. Thanks, Karen. Okay, bye. Okay, so we are back for our second conversation on discernment and we just felt to go back on a few things and just explain a little bit more and maybe give some more encounters that we've had that will help other people understand how real these atmospheres can be and how real they can seem. And for me, I think the starting point is going back to when we're discerning an atmosphere, what do we do with it? And knowing that sometimes we are there to shift it and other times we are not called to shift it. So it's about the authority that we've given, we've been given in different spaces. And people that are called to shift atmospheres over nations or different regions are very specifically spoken to by God, that they are called to do that. What other encouragement or comments do you have on that, Karen? Yeah, I think we probably said it last time, but again, just to almost reiterate is that um, to make sure if it is you first, so, you know, we're called to take every thought captive. So everything's going to be influenced by our own filters. So if it is us, or we're discerning that it's ourselves, or we're not sure, then that is something we definitely need to deal with and sort through. Um, and if it's an atmosphere, and it's, yeah, I think we need to always just be asking Holy Spirit. Um, like we said, it's always a, any point of discernment is an invitation to speak to God and to speak to Holy Spirit. So mm -hmm. to always be doing that and just be checking in all the time, like, is this something I need to be dealing with? And if it is, how do we do that? So if it's not mine, that's fine. I think one of the things is we get so overwhelmed because we almost pick up on everything, especially feelers. Um, I heard somebody mm. call them burden bearers, which for me was like a really good term to describe them because you do, you almost mm. feel everybody else's burdens and everything in the atmosphere and everything at once. So if it's not your battle, you're just going to get overwhelmed. But if you're focusing on what, what is yours to pick up, I think you've always got a lot more grace for that and a lot more... Um, you know, I suppose capability to work through it and to focus on one thing, not be distracted by everything at once. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then obviously, if you are called to be one of those that are, you know, called to shift atmospheres over regions or cities or nations, it's going to have happened from a context of, you know, Holy Spirit leading you in that direction. It's been confirmed. Mm -hmm. It's been recognized over your life and you would have had sufficient training to do it so just because you drive through a region and pick up an atmosphere it doesn't mean it's your responsibility to now stop there and shift that atmosphere yeah i think though um i remember talking to somebody else about it like you always have the authority to worship so you can always be calling in heaven and even mm -hmm. if it's not that you're necessarily going to have a big shift for you to stay if you have to stay in that space for whatever reason if you're going for a mm -hmm. meeting or something to make sure that you don't come under it 
um, yeah. we can be shifting it because we always have that authority to shift it. It's not necessarily mm -hmm. about calling down principalities as such, but we can always be calling down heaven. So I think for me, that's also mm -hmm. been quite helpful. Like, let's just shift it back to what is God saying? Um, mm -hmm. What is he speaking of it? And anything that's not aligning with the goodness of God is obviously not from him. So if it's negative in that context, let's take it back to, yeah, what is our understanding of God? And how do we get back to that place so that we're feeling a bit more, um, yeah, like our portion is righteousness, peace, and joy. So let's call that mm -hmm. in and claim that. And yeah, that's that's what the kingdom's about. It's not about fear or discouragement or uncertainty. So mm -hmm. we need to be shifting those things out. I think in any atmosphere, um, but like you say, God will give us the the revelation and I suppose the yeah. the tools, the right tools to pick up and to use and who to partner with even. Mm. Definitely. So the the whole journey for us has obviously been in conversation and we have um, been in spaces where we've both experienced the supernatural. You have seen it. <laughs> I uh, have smelt it or felt it. And so we just thought it would be helpful to have some of those conversations where we have been in the same space and we've been able to connect afterwards and say, oh, did you, what did you see? Because this is what I smelt or this is what I felt. And um, yeah, so just so that people realize that this is reality. This is, this is actually an atmosphere that they are experiencing through their senses. Um, so for me, one of the, the special moments was when we were in worship. We were both at, at the same church. And at the time, our community was affected by an organization that would result in toxic gases being released. And it smelled absolutely horrific. And I remember lying, soaking in God's presence, just feeling peaceful, but thinking, oh my gosh, the smell is horrific. And the person leading the, the meeting at the time said, I sense there's a new creative wave that's coming in. And as he said that, I smelt the most beautiful floral aroma. It was as if I was lying in a field of flowers and all I could smell were these flowers. So that was a marked shift because I went from smelling this horrific, toxic chemical smell to literally almost like lying on a bed of roses. And we connected after that meeting and you had a different account of the same experience of the same um, supernatural experience. Yes. So I remember that day as well, because it really does stand out. I think because we communicated and we spoke about it, so you get confirmation. And obviously I also remember smelling the toxic smell. I think everybody had that experience. <laughs> um, and when there was a shift, yeah, there was like a mist that came in uh, through the windows and into the space. And I also remember having a vision of, like fields and you know open green spaces and you know that is what our community was originally known for the, the open spaces and the clean air mm. so yeah that was really like an amazing encounter i agree <laughs> yeah and then i remember both of us um through a similar season we kept seeing plum lines mm. And we would experience them in different ways through scripture or or just knowing that we were seeing a plumb line. Um, a call to, yeah, just for, for us it was just that we were walking in truth and we were not deviating. 
because a plumb line causes you to go back to the foundation of truth. Do you remember that space in that season? Yes. <laughs> um, I think I also remember for me, it was also just a call to gather some people to call things back into alignment. Um, however that looked, it doesn't necessarily mean we had to stand and make huge declarations, but even just um, internally to be standing in a space and to be praying quite specifically into yeah, what, what God was wanting to do in that area. Okay. And that's the whole thing about having these conversations, being aware that he's speaking to us about something, then having these conversations and then um, acting on it in a way that is what God has directed us to. So he leads us, he leads us in intercession. He leads us and he shows us what we can, what we need to be partnering with heaven for in that space. Um, and as you say, it's about calling heaven in. So it's not about going up against principalities, but it's about declaring what he's shown and knowing that our words are, are life. They are breathing life into dark, you know, into dead spaces or putting a light in a dark space. So we're just consuming the space as opposed to trying to get, get rid of it. Hmm. Does that make sense? Do you agree with that? Yeah, I think I've been through different seasons where I've almost asked God for like, what is the weapon for now? Um, mm -hmm. And obviously we want it practical and, you know, is it to make decrees? Is it to pray? Is it to, you know, get other people alongside or, or you know, what is the tool? And I often see it like in the spirit, whether it's an arrow or whether it's um, once I was given a light meter, which I felt was to help discern like, you know, where's the light, where's the darkness, where's the light in the space? Because we, mm -hmm. we do sometimes walk through dark areas. Um, but God is always there. He's always gone before us. So we don't need to ever be overwhelmed if we're focusing on the light. And if we can just, mm. yeah, I think the key is, and I think we spoke about this last time, to identify it, um, recognize mm -hmm. it, and yeah, move from that space. And then Karen, also remember when I was in the season where it was about two years ago, and I would be in a meeting, and during worship, I'd start to feel like water flowing. And I'd go to you and say, can you see a river? <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, and there were often meetings that we were in where I would feel the coolness of a river and you would see the river. Yeah, one of them specifically that I remember, I think it was one of the first times I was in, so I was relatively new in that church at the time. And I could see this very clear river in front of the um church where we were in the building and yet everybody was standing almost towards the back and I remember thinking like why is nobody going into the river <laughs> um, mm. and I think it is it's often a call to to go deeper and to mm. engage with God more and to let him fill us up um, yeah. so that living water can flow from us so, mm. yeah. and it's about being surrendered to what he's doing mm. so we're not in control <laughs> of, <laughs> we're actually fun. relinquishing it to him. Mm. Because if you're in the river, you, fl you flow in the river. Yes, exactly. And that's the key is, is that all these things are about flowing in his moment, in his timing, in his wisdom, in his discernment, and in his authority, obviously. So he's always there to bring life and freedom. So, you know, that's, that's why the river was quite significant at that time. It was a, a call to let go and just, you know, be in the river with him yeah. and flow with him. 
So I think for me, you know, those are really special moments because they weren't negative encounters. They were, um, yeah, it's just the reality that he's so real and, and he confirms a lot through those encounters. Like for me, he, he would confirm a lot. Um, I know that when I have been interceding for people in the middle of the night, um, I've woken up and I could smell fresh baking bread in my room. I mean, I was in my bed. And he said to me, I'm the bread of life because I was interceding for somebody for healing. And, and I mean, we know that his body has overcome all and he is the source. He is the bread of life. Mm-hmm. And then we, that same night as I was praying as well, I suddenly smelled two different um, floral aromas. And he said to me, this is the lily of the valley and the rose of Sharon. And so, yeah, you know, it's just, for me, those moments are incredibly special and beautiful. And it's, it's such um, a blessing because I was literally just seeking him for a person's life. And I got blessed through that moment. And also, you know, he's confirming as I was praying. What other examples have you got where you've had those special encounters that just confirm what you're doing or you just sense his delight or? Um. Sure. Yeah, I, yeah I just think, to confirm that. Yeah. I think often it is in the confirmation that we know that it's from God. Um, like it's not a, you know, he does confirm things that we speak. So one of the things for me um, was actually a friend of mine had asked them to pray because I was, I kept having this picture of a car accident and um, whether my eyes were open or closed when I went to sleep, I just kept dreaming about it. Um, and I felt like I was, you know, in danger. So I'd asked somebody to intercede for me and they didn't really tell me what they were praying but for three days after that i had this massive angel that just like didn't leave my area my side my house sure. and it had um i remember so clearly like it had threefold wings of fire and i was so amazed by it and when i spoke to my friend that i'd asked to pray for me a few days later and i was telling her how excited i was about this angel that had been there and she said she had been praying for a wall of fire protection around me so wow. this confirmed yeah Amazing. like god is listening and you know, mm. he does act on our words. So, yeah. Yeah. Mm. He is real. <laughs> yeah, he is real. <laughs> in a world that shouts at us in so many different ways that he's not, he is real. Exactly. Yeah. So, and I think, you know, biblically, like angels have a noise almost. They come like wind and fire. You know, it's described a few mm. times in the Bible. So often, um, in corporate worship and stuff, I think that's the easiest to start to learn to pick up on mm-hmm. things in that kind of environment. Um, but yeah, often you feel a wind go past you or you feel heat um, or you smell mm-hmm. smoke or, you know, things that, you know, is, and then ask, are they angels and what are they doing? And, you know, it's exciting. <laughs> I know often in worship, I will feel the wind mm-hmm. start to blow. And there are many people that also hear the angels singing in unison with us. Yes. So heaven worships as we worship. Yeah. Yeah. So I think to tune in as much as possible to all our senses and to speak to others, you know, if one of our senses isn't that strong, um, we can speak to others because it is, it gives you a fuller picture and uh, you know, we are called to work together um, as one body, mm. not to stand on our own. So it helps you get confirmation like that. Yeah. And so it is a journey of um, coming to understand 
your encounters and what they mean. Sure. And um, it's a journey of trusting what Holy Spirit is sharing, speaking to you about and showing you through those encounters. So for me, it's always an invitation to go back into intimacy with him because he knows what he's doing. Um, as much as our conversations do help each other, we can't answer all that we are encountering all the time. I mean, there are times that I've had dreams where we've had conversations and we can try to understand it to, to a point, but he confirms and he reveals. And so I think my encouragement is that people keep building connection um, and trusting that they're hearing his voice. Um, there was one thing that I wanted to mention as well, and that was the journey of, of becoming aware of what I was experiencing. And I'm sure you've got testimony of this as well. But one of my first um, experiences of, of, of discerning the supernatural was through smell. Mm -hmm. And I knew I, I'd been in spaces where I'd been praying and I could smell the sulfuric smell and I knew that was demonic. I just could feel and discern in my spirit that there was something going on. And then I started smelling the smoke that nobody else could smell. So I'd be in my room, in my bed, and I could smell smoke. And I was like, okay, there's no fire. Nobody, I mean, nobody in my home smokes cigarettes. So, and then I was like, is the cigarette smell? Is it wood smell? You know, wood fire smell? What is this? And asked people, it was probably two years of being in spaces and smelling smoke and just not knowing why I'm smelling smoke. <laughs> And the one night uh, we had done a fire outside, a wood fire, and I walked inside and Holy Spirit said to me, do you smell that? Mm. And he said, the smoke that you've been outside smelling, do you smell it? I was like, yes. And he said, wood smoke. Mm. And then he led me to Isaiah 6. And um, I'll just read it quickly because for me it was an incredibly freeing moment and, and a really exciting and powerful moment for me because yeah, I just realized, you know, we we can laugh it off or we can not be aware of it or not give space for him to confirm and speak to us through these experiences. But when we do, he is faithful and he confirms. And Isaiah 6 says, in the year that King Uzziah died, in a vision I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the skirts of his train filled the most holy part of the temple. Above him stood the seraphim, each had six wings, with two each covered his own face, and with two each covered his feet, and with two each flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds shook at the voice of him who cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Oh. And at that moment I just realized that I was I was smelling the seraphim. Mm. And, and, you know, it's also, there's obviously personal things of, of journeying with him and identity and what he's confirming for my own call and who I am. But I still, um, I still find that there'll be times that I'm in church and I still smell smoke. And then he'll say to me, he'll say, I'll say, what is happening? And he'll say, I'm calling people today. I'm reminding them of their destiny. Because in verse six of the scripture, it says, then one flew, one of the seraphim, the heavenly beings, then what then flew one of the seraphim to me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs off the altar. And with it, he touched my mouth and said, behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity and guilt are taken away and your sin is completely atoned for and forgiven. 
and then co continues where Isaiah eventually says, send me, send me. He's got this thing in him that he just wants to respond to the call of God. And so often there are times where I do sense that the angelic are there, they're active, and God is speaking to people's hearts. He's calling them into their destiny. So what, because, and, and I know we've been in other meetings where you have seen things and I've smelt them. What is your encouragement to people who are starting this journey and trying to understand some of the encounters that nobody could explain, where you've come to grow in confidence and discerning that space and, and just having a sense of knowing? I think also, you know, just not to focus on anything negative, but I think it's often hard. I know for me, um, I started off seeing a lot more negative and demonic stuff than I did angelic, which was difficult because it's not something that you want to talk about in church. It's not something you want to speak. Um, you know, mm. it makes you feel like you're a little bit weird. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. and a few people you do try and talk to will often say things that aren't really helpful. So I think one of the things for me was, um, yeah, starting to recognize like, okay, so anything that we see, we're seeing for a reason. And it's always going to be for other people's freedom and to help other people. So I started to ask, okay, so what am I experiencing more than once and what, you know, what patterns do I recognize? Mm -hmm. um, so just for an example, just a small one is I, my arm, um, like gets itchy and okay. a little bit painful. And I've learned, you know, over time that that is a spirit of addiction for me. That's how I pick it up. Um, and you know, the first time I, discovered that I suppose was I was in a church where the pastor was actually sharing his journey with addiction and um and that's you know where I started to realize hey my arm is itchy and then when he spoke about it I was like oh, okay and that suddenly like my spirits the spirit man kind of like was like okay pay attention mm -hmm. and then the next time it happened um and I felt it and I went to go and pray for somebody and that was the problem that they were struggling with so then I started to remember like okay so now that's more than once that that's happened and it's been the same um you know call to pray into that that space mm. so i think okay. just to realize that even if you're just saying something that seems negative um god is going to turn it to good and he's going to show you mm. <laughs> how to it's for freedom in that space yeah and and who mm. it's for so. yeah 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 that's really good so Karen, you know, obviously our heart is not to focus on the negative, but sometimes for us to understand when we are experiencing the ne negative, what to do with it. And that those, um, when you're feeling it, it's very real, um, causes you to want to sometimes run and hide. I always joke about needing to find my cave. I completely get why Elijah, or Elisha ran from Jezebel. <laughs> so, because it is so real. And for me, um, I've come to realize that I will have quite strong physical reactions to different demonic strongholds. And I've had to learn that, okay, you're discerning it. Okay, that's what it is. And now you can either, if it's your authority to shift it there, or as you say, to call heaven in through worship, um, recognize because the whole thing is often those spirits will be attached to a person and then that person is reacting out of that. Not because they are choosing to, it's just they don't know any better. Now I think that's why we see a lot of breakdown in churches because there are a lot of, of people that are, are in spaces where they don't realize that things are affecting them. And so 
the journey of understanding what you are experiencing in the supernatural, that the the intensity of it, not to not to allow that to overwhelm you. So like we spoke about last time, the rising above it and staying on the mountaintop with Jesus so he can show us the strategy, he can show us the battle plan. And as you say, we use the weapons, we use worship, we declare and we speak life into those situations. Um, what what encouragement do you have on that topic? Yeah, I think also, you know, sometimes the, like the demonic realm is always going to try and get a hook or get a, you know, try and come against people. So sometimes it's even not necessarily that they almost attached to somebody, but that they're coming against somebody because that person might have been yes. rid of it, but it's yeah. just in the atmosphere. So it's coming against that person, which I think, so whatever we're discerning, we can ask God like, okay, so this is what I'm picking up. Is it something I can pray against? Is it something I, you know, have control over? Um, control might be the wrong word, but yeah. So if it's coming against somebody and actually attacking them, I think we can pray that away almost without even going to the person, without even um, yeah, needing to engage in that necessarily. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it's always just asking Holy Spirit, okay, what is our authority in this space? Because we have authority. So what yeah. is he wanting us to do and how is he wanting us to do that? And sometimes, I mean, there's times where um, Holy Spirit just says to me, just go and sing over that person. And that's all I've done. Um, mm. So, yeah, I think it's, we really need to just follow his lead. And, I, you know, like you said earlier, just surrender to God and he's going to lead you. He's going to show up mm. and give us the wisdom and, yeah, the revelation of what to do in that space. So. Mm. Yeah, because it's all about partnering with heaven. Mm. Exactly. And heaven's destiny. So, uh, Karen, before we finish off, we just thought it would be helpful to chat a little bit about what different atmospheres feel like, how I discern them and how you discern them. And then we can, we can partner, if we're in the same space, we can partner with one another for freedom in that space. Um, as you said, the spirit doesn't necessarily have to be attached to the person, but it could be around them because they've been delivered of it. Um, so it doesn't mean that a person has that problem, but it's just, you know, that spirit is trying. So for me, the way I have experienced um, intimidation, the spirit of intimidation, it is incredibly intimidating as it's, as it says intimidation. And for me, I kind of feel like I'm going to turn around and I'm going to run in the opposite direction as fast as I can. And I know it sounds funny, but when you're in that moment and you're coming against the spirit, it is incredibly overwhelming and it causes you to feel a little bit chaotic in your mind because your reasoning, you're like, okay, well, should I do this or should I do that? Am I right? And you know, you go into the self-doubt mode and then everything in you is run for the hills kind of thing. And so this is what I've come to recognize the spirit of intimidation as. So when, when I encounter the spirit of witchcraft, I often feel like I'm starting to spin. Um, and I know the one of the first time I encountered it, I'd had a conversation with you and you'd helped me navigate that as well. You had experienced it in a different way. And another thing for me that I've come to realize is um, obviously smell. You, you, you can smell a sulfur, that kind of um, smell. And then um, feeling ill if I, if I encounter somebody that um, has defilement. So literally feeling physically ill. Um, so that's been my encounters, just 
for people to understand what they're dealing with. This is not about judgment or or anything like that. This is just about understanding what you're dealing with. It's okay. to know the enemy. Yes, um, for sure. I think for me, it's really been helpful to actually hear other people speak about, you know, what are we discerning and what, what are we picking up on and to be able to speak to people because um, it's not something that should be hidden. We're seeing it for a reason. And as we said before, it's to bring freedom. So uh, my experience, I feel witchcraft often like a clamp almost around my head um, okay. or I feel yeah, physically ill, like nauseous, which I feel like over time I've learned is not only um, witchcraft, it's often partnered with um, a defiled spirit or perverse spirit or lust or something else going on because um, demonic spirits usually work together. They're not normally on their own. So um, I think just to say that, that it's, not a, it's not a checklist. It's not like, um, mm. you know, if you experience this, it's definitely that. You always need to take it back to Holy Spirit and um so yeah like we might experience it differently like you said you experience spinning um part mm -hmm. of me thinks that it might be different levels um if you're experiencing it in a different way it's like i feel a clamp on my head or i feel nauseous or both so is there a different level a different intensity um in the atmosphere mm -hmm. what's going on so yeah those are two of the things i feel and then um what else did you speak about intimidation yeah I, I think intimidation like i agree i think anything that's coming against and intimidating is also trying to get us to run from our destiny so running away makes perfect sense that that's what you want to do is just hide or be quiet or not speak out or mm. sit in the corner or at the back almost so i mm. think that is kind of what it does it makes sense how it's um, how you feel it uh, yeah. i think again the key point is to recognize it like, okay, so why am I feeling like this? And yeah, how can I shift it? How can I remind myself of um, where I'm seated and what my body mm. is? So we don't come under it. Yes. And so part of the um, part of the strategy we've also been given, obviously, is the word, pray in the spirit, worship. But then we have the spiritual armor. And we have a helmet on our head, <laughs> helmet of salvation, a breastplate of righteousness, a sword of the spirit in the one hand, shield of faith in the other, and the belts of truth around our waists and readiness on our feet that comes from the gospel of peace. And it's so important to know that when you come into that space, you start to use your armor. So um, very briefly, the last time intimidate, I experienced the spirit of intimidation, I used the... Um, the, the sword of the spirit and everything in me kept saying this is not the voice of my father he does not sound like this he does not speak like this mm -hmm. and so i went back to the word and, and and what lines up with what the word says who my father is and how he operates and how he functions he doesn't function through fear he doesn't function through intimidation he doesn't function through shame. Therefore, this is not him. And therefore, I rise above it. I put on the armor of God and I keep walking. <laughs> that sounds easy. It's not in the moment. And that's my encouragement to anybody who is coming into an atmosphere and needing to rise above it and reconnect and just get a little bit of strategy and to kind of step outside from under that atmosphere and be, a, be above it. Mm, Any comments on that? that um, exactly. Like, know the character of God. So you need to be spending time with him. You need to be reading the word. You need to know who God is. 
um, because only on knowing who he is can you know who he's not. So, like you said, then we can pick up. Like he, that's not how he operates. So if you're feeling that, you know it's not God. Um, even if he's going to give us a warning, he's not going to operate in that way. He so, doesn't operate through fear. Yeah. yeah. So mm. yeah, no, his character I think is great. And yeah, and in um, yeah, the Ephesians and putting on the armor of God has always been. You know, I used to do it every day. I'm just honest, I don't always now, but mm. I think there are seasons where we need to really be mindful of that and and probably we're in a season at the moment to do that. And I've mm. even found actually, you know, it's often easier to think about it when we wake up in the morning, like, okay, let's put on the armor of God before we go out and let's, you know, practically and prophetically do that act. Um, but I've mm. also actually found even sometimes, you know, when we're gonna go to sleep, like if you're struggling with dreams or you're not sleeping well or whatever, mm. you put the armor of God on before you go to sleep. So that's yeah. Mm -hmm. And so then in Ephesians, after putting the armor on, it says, and to stand. Mm -hmm. And that for me is partnering with discernment and intercession, is that we discern something because we are going to speak the opposite over it. We, we know who God is. We know what he's spoken over that person's life. And we will stand in that position and all the authority that he's given us until we see a person in freedom or until we know we've done what he's called us to do in that space. And we yeah. will discern the shift. Yes. And I think even standing, you know, it sounds like, well, we're not actually doing anything. We're just being almost stationary. Um, mm. But standing is actually not an easy space. And I remember one time and I was going through something and God kept saying stand. And I was like, okay, but it feels like I'm not advancing and I'm not doing anything. Um, and he reminded me, I used to work in conservation in the bush. And, you know, the one time I was on a walk with people and there was a hippo that got out of the water. And it was very close to where one of the people I was looking after <laughs> was <Wow. sitting. laughs> So obviously there was a moment of panic and like, okay, well, what do I do now? And I'm responsible for that person. So I needed to try and get the person to back away slowly and, and almost put myself in, in that dangerous space now between the person and the hippo. And standing mm -hmm. in that space, I remember thinking, there's nothing easy about standing. Standing doesn't mean mm -hmm. like, oh, wow, we're winning the battle. or And it's not actually a, a passive stance you know we mm -hmm. are standing in our authority we are standing ready to take on whatever the battle is if that's what god asks us to do and ready to mm -hmm. um yeah advance when he tells us to but it's in his timing um and you know like even in that in the natural it's like okay so we need to get that person to calm down so that he can think clearly to get up and back away from the danger of the hippo um, and the mm -hmm. same time sometimes in the spirit, we're like, okay, well, let's stand while we can calm down the atmosphere and we can focus, refocus on mm -hmm. Jesus and what is heaven doing. Um, and then mm -hmm. ask God for his timing and his, um, his plan. And how yeah. do that. Yeah. It's powerful. Yeah. So we hope that this has been helpful and empowering. And we will continue these conversations on dreams and visions other ways of, of Holy Spirit speaking to us and downloading strategy and wisdom to us, bringing discernment about different things. And yeah, we look forward to chatting again. Thanks, Karen. Mm -hmm. So this is our third session and we are going to chat about dreams and visions in context of discernment and maybe just a few more areas of discernment. Um, yeah, we've had a lot of fun chatting and, you know, our heart is just to share um, our experiences.
there are a lot of different people out there that are doing more in-depth teachings on discernment and dreams and visions and all the things that we've been chatting about. But, you know, just you and I just had a desire just to have chat practically what it sometimes looks like. So at the end, we're going to give some names of a few of the people that we've been following personally and listening to and learning from. So if you want to continue this journey with more in-depth teachings, whether it's podcasts or books or, or um, video teachings you can download, there's quite a few people that you can follow for yourself. So Karen, today we're going to chat about dreams and maybe you want to kick off just, you know, how you've stewarded your dreams and what your dreams have led you to do from an intercession point of view, any tips or, or um, words of encouragement you can give people that are realizing God speaking to them through dreams. Yeah, I think one of the main thing is God is always speaking. <laughs> um, and often, you know, if we're not hearing him during the day, so he'll speak to us at night. So obviously there are different um, ways dreams come to us and it's not always necessarily a God dream although I think you can always use it um, one of the things I've found to make sure well to have more dreams and to remember them more clearly is like you said to steward your dreams so to pay attention what you're listening to during the day especially before you go to sleep um, if you can spend some time soaking or praying you know before you go to sleep rather than watching graphic images on tv mm. I think that certainly helps and um, just yeah keep your mind pure and um then i think also to write down what you what you dream and what you can remember and the more you write it down i think the more you remember um in daniel 7 verse 1 he also he writes down his dreams so i think write down as much detail as you can in the beginning you know as you dream more and record more i think you can probably write a little bit less detail mm. um and i think just remember that god speaks uniquely to us all as individuals so as amazing as a dream dictionary can be when you get stuck or you need some help, I think our first call, and the same as we've said throughout all these recordings, is always to ask Holy Spirit, what is he saying? What is he wanting us to do? Um, yeah, to, he's the one who's going to give us revelation and he's going to interpret the dreams for us. Mm -hmm. So to really just tune in and lean into him. And the more that we do that, I, I believe the more he'll speak to us through our dreams. And so, you know, it's the same as when we start to realize that we're discerning through our senses. Dreaming is, is the same. And as you say, stewarding it. So the more attention we give and the more we stop in and sit with Holy Spirit and, and ask him to help us understand that dream or, or the message in it, the more you grow in confidence and faith that he's actually speaking to you. So it's, it's about exercising that muscle again. And, um, yeah, and so for me, dreams, um, dreams for me are often a call to intercede into a situation. And Karen, you can also comment on this is, you know, obviously sometimes Holy Spirit gives us um, uh, some, an indication of what's going on in somebody's life or in their business. And, and he speaks to us through a dream so that we can intercede on their behalf. And there are times that we need to speak and share. And there, a lot of the time it's to pray into. So we're praying against something happening. So do you have some comments on your journey with that? Yeah, so I think, um, you know, just quickly, like there's three things that dreams are going to come from your soul. If you've got soul wounds or if you, you know, what are you listening to during the day, like I said. Um, or sometimes from the demonic, which might be tormenting. 
um, or from God. And God never torments. So, mm-hmm. you know, dreams that are tormenting are never going to be God dreams. And then I think, like you say, it's often to intercede for people. So for me, I know it's a God dream. Usually when I wake up, there's a weight on the dream. And I can okay. feel like, um, you know, like God is really calling me to spend time with him. And, yeah, it, I don't know. It's, there's a different feel. It, it really does feel like a way to dream. And, and I start to think about, you know, what was the dream? What were the symbols? Take it back to the word of God. Um, so one of the dreams that stands out is, I dreamt that there were people doing some illegal activity mm-hmm. and it actually took a year of praying into it. I didn't know the people, I didn't know anything, but it was very detailed. Um, and I felt like a real call to pray into it. And it took a year before I actually understood the dream and things were revealed and justice prevailed. Um, and it's not that I prayed every day. It's just whenever Holy Spirit reminded me of it, I would pray, pray about it. So sometimes, Dreams are multi-layered and they're not. We are very instant society, but yeah. <laughs> it doesn't always work like that. It might take a while before you actually understand them. Mm. And so to sit with Holy Spirit again and and listen and and journey with Him, because this is what you know. This is our life. We journey with Holy Spirit every single day, every moment of every day, and to learn to trust Him when He's not making it clear yet that there's obviously a bigger picture, and in time He will reveal. And, and I know some of the dreams I've had, he, I've only received understanding of it years down the line. And so it, it was like the same as the journey with trying to understand why I was smelling smoke when no one else could. It took two or three years before I actually realized and, and where he spoke directly and clearly to me. But every single time I'd smell it, I'd say, okay, I can smell the smoke again, you know? So it's the same with dreams. And, um, and for me, you know, I was reading the book of Acts with my children the other day, and it was when, when was it Philip got translated from the road where he had been ministering, and, and my son was like, Mom, wow, he got translated to another town. How did that happen? And I said to him, I said, yes, but the first step was God had told him to go on that road. So it was obedience. So it's the same with whatever God is showing us or giving us. He's just longing for us to listen and obey. And there's such blessing when we sit with him and we listen and we obey and we do as he's shown. And the same, whatever we are discerning, whether it's through our senses or dreams or, or visions, there's a response from us. And, 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 you know, we're stewarding it. We're showing him that he can trust us in that. So, you know, it's always exciting to journey with Holy Spirit. We may not always understand things, but as we journey step by step in relationship, it's such an exciting journey with him. So, Karen, and you've touched on this about before we go to bed, what we're watching and what we're seeing. And so for me, um, Anna Verna, Verna has spoken about our eye gates and our ear gates that we need to, especially if we are seers or we prophetic or feelers, there's another layer that we are discerning when we watch something or listen to something or read something and that we need to protect our eye gates so we don't become desensitized to the level of demonic that may be on something. And it doesn't have to make sense. It may, you may just look at something or listen to something and immediately just get the sense. No, I can't. There's just something. And even if everybody else thinks it's okay, it doesn't necessarily mean it's okay. And so for you, it's the journey of, I have a response to this. I don't know why a lot of other people are okay with it and that's okay. And, and I know you often say, Karen, it may be a season thing 
that it's not now, or there could be something that that person is carrying that they may not have carried before. And so it's not about being in a position of judgment, but it's just a case of I'm hearing a no, or I'm having a physical response to this, and it's just a case of I can't engage. And we protect our eye and ear gates, and we protect the sensitivity of our discerning through that. And also we're showing Holy Spirit we are listening and we are obedient and we're stewarding what he's giving us. And so my encouragement is that um, whether you're reading a book or watching a movie or a program or, or listening to a song or listening to a teaching that everybody else is okay with and you suddenly have this response, it's okay. You can stop and you can just say, Holy Spirit, I have a caution here. Please, can you confirm it or reveal whatever it is? And you leave it at that. And so we are protecting our level of understanding and discernment in that area. We are not going beyond that caution of no. Um, and so, you know, my children, and I know for myself, we're incredibly sensitive in, in, in the different things we watch. My kids can't watch stuff that other people can watch. And that's just because of what they carry as well. They are discerners. They are seers. They... Um, they, they feel in the, in the spirit realm as well. And so for me to protect that gift, I've encouraged them. It's okay. You don't have to watch that. And if you're not comfortable, we stop watching it. So that for me is part of stewarding this gift in our dreams, because as you say, it can affect what we're dreaming. Um, and, and, and I know for me, my dreams are often a call to intercede. So I've had dreams about different people's businesses. I've had dreams about, yeah, just families. I've had dreams about friends. And often we need to just sit and go, Holy Spirit, do I share this or not? But, and, and you can probably explain this a little bit more in detail, Karen, but our spirit doesn't sleep. So even in our dreams, we can be active in the spirit realm realm in our dreams and i know in my dreams i have said no in my dream but i've seen the manifestation of the no in the spirit you know in the physical realm and um, have you had experiences like that as well where you can just give a little bit of detail yeah i mean obviously i agree that we don't our spirit doesn't sleep and our discernment doesn't turn off and um, and like i said earlier you know god is always speaking to us so i think often um you know, the, the demonic is always going to come against our calling. Mm -hmm. So I think people that are sensitive to the prophetic, they're often going to be more sensitive to what they're watching, what they're listening to. So like you say, to be obedient to that, um, if you have a check. And sometimes you will be standing on your own and you're the only one who might be feeling that. Mm -hmm. um, and actually quite recently, I felt Holy Spirit saying just before I went to sleep to pay attention to the decisions that I make in my dreams, <laughs> sure. which was quite interesting because I haven't yeah. really ever thought about it. Um, but yeah, I suppose it does. It plays a role on helping you to understand what your dream means. Um, mm -hmm. yeah, what, what are your decisions in your dreams and what is your um, dream life like, I suppose. Mm -hmm. So that was quite interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you've touched on that the dream journals are helpful because you know, there are things in dreams as you talk, as you look at them and, and, you know, directions have meaning, um, colors have meaning, different animals and, and things have symbols, cars have meaning, you know, clothing has meaning. There's so many layers, but don't be limited by what those things mean. We still need to go to Holy Spirit, um, and unpack. And some, sometimes the understanding of the dream comes in 
parts. So you may know that this is a confirmation in one area, but later your dream, suddenly you'll be in a space and you'll be reminded of that dream. Holy Spirit will take you back to that dream and then you realize he's unpacking another part of the dream. And so to hold, I would say, hold it with an open hand. Yes, use the context of the dream journal, but always be going back to what Holy Spirit's doing and showing you and ask for scripture as well. You know, he, you know, it's always Holy Spirit, our counselor and the word, you know, we, it's, it's, it always goes hand in hand. And so, um, as you, you said, we keep a dream journal and, um, and we, we are obedient to the, the, the sense of what he's calling us to do in that space. But know that even in that space of the dream, like you may be saying no or choosing a direction, there are still things happening that he is doing through that dream, which is always exciting as well. And, you know, I was just, for me, um, I've got two dreams that I wanted to share before we we kind of wrap the session up but my my dream when i was told that um by the doctor that i would probably struggle to have children naturally and i would need medical intervention and i had this dream and the physical um details were so accurate that and when i woke up and look back so it's always in retrospect as well i look back to the physical detail of the dream it, it was so accurate that, you know, this was Holy Spirit just showing me. He was giving me a window that I was actually pregnant. And um, in my dream, there was this little happy um, embryo bouncing around. And then um, in my dream, because they had done a scan and there was this little happy embryo bouncing around. I looked at the person, the sonographer, and I was like, what is that? And they said, well, the doctor will tell you. And this was in my dream. And I woke up thinking, wow, that's quite something. And a week later, I found out I was actually pregnant. So I had received this dream and my son is this happy bouncing around <laughs> little bo well, boy now that's no longer little. But it, and, and the details in the dream were so accurate. And so I had no fear that I was going to lose this baby because he had given me a snapshot. And similarly with my second child, um, he had been quite sick on quite a few occasions and he had been rushed to hospital to have treatment. And the, the second time he was admitted to hospital the night before we had had an incident where he had, he, were, he had almost had a, like an asthma attack and he was battling to breathe. And we'd rushed to the doctor. The doctor had given me medicine, but he said he didn't want to admit him, but I needed to treat him through the night and nebulize and he'd given me the whole routine. And in the middle of the night, I had this dream where I was sitting at a round table and I knew I was sitting with my teenage son. He was then a teenager in the dream. And I knew Jesus was sitting at the table with me. And this arrogant was like, it felt like a Spanish prince. This arrogant man walked up and looked at my son and said, that's the finest young squire I have ever seen. And in that moment, Jesus stood up and he looked at them and he said, no. And this arrogant man turned around and walked away. And I woke up and my son was battling to breathe. His temperature was almost 40 degrees. And we had to sort of treat him and calm him and nebulize him so he could breathe again. And we ended up being admitted to hospital after that. But what carried me was Jesus had said no in the dream. And I knew, and because I could feel when I woke up, from that dream, I could feel the demonic presence in the room. So I knew that there had been something trying to come. 
against my child's life and all that carried me and it still carries me through every encounter because I had scary encounters after that with him but I saw my child as a teenager and Jesus had looked at Satan and said no you will not do this and so I still stand on that dream and and I still stand on that encounter because there are times that we feel weak in ourselves but we know that when we are weak he is strong and so I go back to those and I go back to that moment where that that demonic entity whether it's Satan himself couldn't even argue Jesus literally just stood up and said no and he walked off and so my encouragement is to be aware of those times you go back and you stand on testimony of what he's really done and and those things that he's given me a glimpse into my child's future so you know the dreams are powerful and they, and they are an encouragement to us when things around us are hopeless and scary and overwhelming we go back to what the voice of the father is speaking to us because he's clear he doesn't speak through fear he doesn't speak through anxiety and he is constantly you know, he's always the same. He is constant. He doesn't change yesterday, today, or tomorrow. He does not change. And so my encouragement is to be aware. What are you exposing yourself to? And, and a scripture that um, speaks to it often for me is Philippians 4 verse 8. So keep your thoughts continually fixed on all that is authentic and real, honorable and admirable, beautiful and respectful, pure and holy, merciful and kind. And fasten your thoughts on every glorious work of God praising him always and so whatever we are exposing ourselves to what we're listening to what we're reading what we are speaking what we are watching does it line up with that and this is what i encourage my children to do as well when they come and they keep wanting to tell me things or and i say okay well let's see what it, does this line up with what philippians 4 verse 8 says because that's our our standard and um and so that's my encouragement to people that are on this journey is to be very aware and ask Holy Spirit because when he convicts us about something, he doesn't condemn us, but it's just like a check, like, no, maybe that's not wise. And you don't feel guilty. You just feel called up. You call, he's calling you out of something. He calls you up into who you are. And it also enables us to remain and seat, you know, seated in heavenly places. So that is my encouragement. And, um, I also want to do, um, just share that when it comes to visions, and you can also chat a little bit about visions, Karen, but my, um, my encouragement is how powerful our words are. You know, the word says, speak life, you know, the power of life and death on the power of the tongue. And so I was sharing with somebody about a person and their destiny. And I, and I said, in that moment, I said, this, this is pulling them up and that is pulling them down. And as I said that, I literally saw the clash, like the spark and the clash in the spirit realm where one is pu pushing up and the other one is pulling down. And I realized how powerful our words are because one word was pulling up and another word was pulling down. And there was this, this connection happening in the spirit realm and how if we are only pushing up we are like empowering the spirit realm and it's the same with with whatsapp social media messages or facebook posts or we are either empowering one kingdom in what we are are partnering with or we're empowering the kingdom of god which is the winning side so whatever you share 
does it line up with, and it's not about denying that things aren't happening. So we acknowledge that, yes, this is happening, but in this space, who is greater? And what do we want to empower? So, and that's the same as when God shows us something about a person, we don't speak the negative about them. We speak the opposite about it because then we're empowering what the kingdom is showing that they're actually called to. So mm-hmm. that is my encouragement. Um, and, and when God starts to show you in the spirit realm through a vision, whether it's panorama, where it's images that are one after the next, or like I had that flash where it's the clash of the, the two kingdoms in our words, it's another way to be aware of, of um, how to pray and what's really going on. But Karen, you can speak a little bit more about visions from your own experiences as well. Yeah, I think um, most dreams and visions are going to be speaking into people's life, destiny over a person, a region, yourself, families, businesses. So, and it is like we've said a few times, it's often easier in retrospect to actually see what it is about. Um, but we can always, it's always a call to speak to Holy Spirit and to ask him what's going on and to look further and look for more. Um, yeah, and I think, so just quickly, like one of the dreams that I had before we wrap up is especially because we're talking about discernment and I dreamt that I was sitting at the table and I was eating with food and mm-hmm. there was a person next to me that I knew was an angel in my dream, I just knew. And they suddenly dished up all this extra like powder and sticky, almost like honey, but really thick onto the food I was eating. So I started to laugh and I was like, no, there's enough. And they were like, no, no, this is filled with extra vitamins and things that you need. So I turned around the tub that it was in and it said sea of food. Wow. So I was like, oh, cool. Okay. I'll definitely have some of that. <laughs> um, and then I had a second dream similar, but you know, again, the following night or whatever, which also felt like I was in training. And there were angels walking around with these big glasses of like golden liquid that they gave me to drink. And I remember, you know, after those two dreams, I went into a season where, and like Holy Spirit kept saying to me, you're going to need discernment. Mm -hmm. So I went into a season where discernment was, was key to what I was navigating and going through. And every time I doubted, you know, what I was hearing, what I was feeling, God reminded me of those dreams. So to just stand on, yeah, what you've heard and what you've seen and and you know pictures speak a thousand words as they say so i think dreams and visions are very powerful they you know they knock through all the culture and all the stuff that we might not um our intellect i suppose so most people will recognize symbols and things even though we don't always understand them (laughs) we can always take them back to the word of god and he will always continue to confirm things for us so i think to always ask for confirmation before you, especially if you're going to make a decision based on a dream or vision. And mm. um, God will always confirm if we ask him, he will. Um, yeah, and visions quickly also, I think, you know, often God is giving us blueprints or ways of what to pray or what he's wanting us to do, you know, to step into obedience like you were speaking about earlier. Mm. And also one of the quick visions that comes to mind, <laughs> I was actually, um, I'd moved to a new area and I was still getting involved in the church. So, you know, nobody really knew if I was there or not. <laughs> so I remember the one Sunday and I was like, oh, I think I'm just going to skip church. I'd rather go to the beach or something. vision. <laughs> <laughs> there was um, three angels standing in the doorway that were just like pointing towards the church. And I was like, 
okay. <laughs> I'll Maybe go to I should do it today. <laughs> and it was the most amazing service and really like something that I really needed at that time. Sure. Amazing. So it's interesting how yeah, God will always confirm and always lead you if we pay attention. Mm. Yeah. So Karen, we've, you know, you've obviously walked this journey longer than I have, and I often rely on you and your wisdom. But in, in addition to that, there are some key people that we've both listened to and um, have taken huge encouragement from and learned a lot from. Um, Jennifer Ives as a discerner, intercessor, and a seer is great. She's got a lot of material. Chris Vallotton, um he speaks a lot on, on stepping out prophetically and doing way out prophetic acts, which make no sense, <laughs> but it's an obedience and God comes through, which is amazing. Um, Anna Verna, also incredible seer, um, teacher, and she also speaks about the discerning side and, and she's some incredible testimonies of obeying and, and um, yeah, how Holy Spirit has navigated her through places where she has not known how to get home. Um, literally as she's walked through an unknown city. Um, James Gall is a great father. He also speaks a lot on dreams and discerning. And I was speaking earlier about when you just know something is wrong. And James Gall teaches a lot about on your Noah, which makes sense to me because you just know. So to call it the Noah is great. And then also in South Africa, we have Kathleen Delahunt, who is also, she's known for her prophetic gift. She's a teacher and also has shared a lot about different encounters. And, and so if you are wanting to grow on this journey, a lot, a lot of them have free material to listen to. There's YouTube, there's podcasts, there's articles. Um, some have per you can purchase some of their books or um, courses. Yeah, so it's a journey. And as we navigate, he does keep leading and teaching and confirming. So, yeah, we just wanted to encourage you with some of our journey. And um, we look forward to connecting with you on our last session on how to help your kids navigate this space. But most importantly, have fun with Holy Spirit through this journey. Take care. So this is our last session and we've had a lot of fun just having some conversations and hopefully you have felt a little bit more empowered on your own journey. And we just wanted to finish off today chatting a little bit more about kids, how kids navigate the spirit realm and um, yeah, hopefully a few tools um, that we can share with you to empower your kids. So Karen, you know, you, I consider you to be my friend that's an expert in the CRL. <laughs> and um, because of that, you are far more aware of what kids are seeing and um, because you can often see what they are seeing. So what would you encourage parents? You know, often, obviously, this is quite a, a strange concept for parents to hear and um, to accept or believe. But for you, it's totally normal and you understand what kids are actually seeing. So what is your encouragement? I think that is the main thing to make it normal and have a safe space for kids to talk about what they're seeing or what they're experiencing. Um, I think that's the hardest thing because most kids see. Mm -hmm. So most kids are able to see in the spirit realm until they're told almost that they shouldn't. And, and then they start to doubt and wonder if there's something wrong. And so we want to avoid that. So really just allow a safe space, let them talk about everything that they're experiencing. Um, even once I was walking through a shop and I could see an angel and there was a young girl standing there who was clearly seeing it, 
but you know her mom was kind of hurrying her along and um yeah and I could see she was so confused and really struggling and she was probably about seven years old so I just went up to her and asked her what she was saying and you could just see how happy it made her just to be able to to voice it um, and to let somebody actually like oh wow you know because for them it's, it's often exciting sometimes it might be scary but if they really have a safe space where they know they can come to you and they can be okay this is what I'm experiencing and then we can help them you can help them navigate that space and learn you know not to step into fear because yeah. the enemy is always going to come against their calling and their destiny mm. so to help them always find Jesus mm. and so kids are far more sensitive to the spirit realm as adults, we have filters and we are desensitized unless we are on a journey of being aware or seeing or, or you know, experiencing the spirit realm through our senses. And um, so for me, a key in discerning when my kids are picking up stuff is their behavior. My kids are both also very sensitive and I have had to learn to become aware that if I'm walking into a space and I want to run out the door, how much more intense it must feel for them. And therefore their behavior goes from being quite peaceful or calm to on the opposite spectrum. And um, especially my youngest child, I've noticed when he looks like he might be going wild, he's not badly behaved or Ill, undisciplined. It's literally, he is discerning a spirit realm. And it's often in those times I have to call him aside and, and, and just ask him, so what do you see or what are you feeling? And, and just kind of engage with him in that space because you can't always leave. You, you, know, <laughs> you could arrive at a party or you could be in a home or somewhere else. You can't always leave. Obviously, if it's possible, that would be an option. But it's about training ground and teaching them that they carry authority and, and they can navigate the space. And, and as we'd spoken about before, it's not about coming under the spirit. It's about being seated in heavenly places. So we discern it and then we can remind ourselves to be seated. And so, the, you know, it's important that we help our kids understand that space as well. So for me, behavior is, is key. When there's a chaotic space, I find, you know, there's a chaotic spirit. The kids are all over the place. You can't get them to focus you can't get them to listen they literally look like they are it's like trying to um herd wild cats it's it's almost impossible um do you have any other examples of seeing kids with their behavior and and they actually just are discerning the spirit realm or seeing things i think it's quite common if you start to pay attention to it and to actually not just immediately jump to the fact that they're being naughty mm. um I think then you'll recognize it a lot. And I think one of the things also is, you know, we, like I said, we struggle sometimes to find language. Mm -hmm. So kids often also can't really communicate that. So also to just encourage um, different ways for them to express themselves, whether it's to do some art um, or whether it's to dance or the different ways that they can be creative or, you know, go outside and just experience a different, in a different way. Mm -hmm. And also, often that also help you with um, like prophetic art and just encouraging that gift. Mm -hmm. And so, Karen, I've also noticed that um, with my own kids and some of the other kids that I've had to help, is to ask them to look for Jesus if they can see Jesus in the room. Sometimes, um, sometimes they can see an angel, you know. But 
I found that it kind of distracts them from the, whatever else is going on because they start to, and for us, that's what worship does. And that's what choosing the opposite spirit does. So we may be discerning one thing, but we choose to act in a different way. And so, so for the kids, you know, often they see Jesus far more easily than we do. And, um, and so I, I often will say, can you see Jesus? Where is he? Cause he's always waiting for us. He, he doesn't leave us. So can you see him? And I find that often calms them because then they start looking for life and, you know, God's kingdom as opposed to seeing the dark realm only. Um, have you had any experience on this as well? Yeah, I think it's, it's quite common for kids to start seeing um, dark sides. And kids are very quick to connect with Jesus, like you say. So anytime I've sat with kids to, you know, encourage them to encounter Jesus, they're very quick to connect. And they always will, you know, Jesus is faithful. He'll always show up. Mm-hmm. Um, and anytime, yeah, like you say, it, does, it distracts them, it takes their mind off that. And I think also, you know, like Jesus will speak to their identity and speak to them in a unique way that, that we can't really do. Mm-hmm. So that's another thing I find sometimes is just to like read scripture with them. And, you know, sometimes I remember we used to do memory verses, you know, even as kids. Um, But often like a a little short memory verse will just really define something for a child that they'll be like, wow, that's like a life verse for them. Mm -hmm. Just clarify things. So yeah, that's also good. Yeah. And and so as parents, it's, it's, I, I find it's important for us to have a sense of our kid's destiny so that we can see when the enemy is coming in the opposite of what their destiny is. And, um, and, and that's one thing I do with my own boys. I tell them all the time what God created them to be. And that's why they are brothers because they are created to work together. And so they go from fighting one another and recognizing, well, that one is seeing or experiencing this and another one is seeing or experiencing that. And therefore they can come together and work together. And that's the whole point of the body we are meant to work together um so that's been quite helpful for me because it's it's like the the what guides our parenting is is calling out their destiny and recognizing when i need to remind them and help them understand this is part of who you are and therefore you are able to see and discern but it's because you still have authority and jesus doesn't want you to be scared and um, I think for, for, for my youngest, um, he was about two or two and a half the first time he actually articulated to me that he was seeing a demonic presence. And he very calmly sat on the bed next to me and I could see he was tracking something like flying in the air. And I said to him, he said to me, oh, look, look at that naughty guy. He calls them naughty guys. Look at that naughty guy. And I watched his eyes track the movement of of the, the demon and and you know normally i'm very aware and i was not aware of this demonic presence so i found that interesting and and so just because you are not picking it up doesn't mean your kids are not seeing it or or feeling the atmosphere or discerning it and so i wasn't sure what to do and then suddenly i just thought to ask him if he liked it because i didn't want to create a sense of fear in him and i said do you like it and he said, no, I don't like him, but it's okay because Jesus is much bigger. And so then I thought, okay, well, he obviously has already seen Jesus because 
he knows mm. Jesus is bigger than this, what he calls a naughty guy. And um, that same child, we had months where he would scream at night and we had gone through every medical possibility. And mm. Chris Vallotton's book, Spirit Wars, was really helpful because he speaks about his granddaughter having the same thing. And he taught his granddaughter to, I think she called them birds. And um, he taught her to rebuke them. And then the, kid, the parents would hear this little, I think she was also two or three, telling them to go away in Jesus' name and seeing them disappear. So it's so important that we, we are aware that our kids don't carry a junior Holy Spirit. They carry the same authority we do. And um, yeah, there are times I can see my youngest son is, is quite scared of what he's seeing. And then at the same time, I say, okay, can we see Jesus? Can we see angels? What else? And, then, and I know Jennifer Ives was quite helpful in this as well. She says, if, you, if your kids do see this, then a very easy technique to use is watch mommy make them go away. And then you teach them to rebuke them in Jesus' name and send them away. And so I've had to journey quite intentionally with my son. And I was having the conversation with him the other day about, because he would often say to me, oh, mom, there's another naughty guy. We'll be out or parked somewhere. And he goes, mom, a naughty guy just walked past the car. Or, you know, just, it's a very natural conversation for him. And so I said to him, I said, do you still see the naughty guys as much? And he says, and he said to me, mommy, when I walk into a room or somewhere where they are, they go away very quickly now. So, you know, for me, that's a journey and a space where I can now encourage them. You see, they understand that when you walk and you're carrying the authority of Jesus. And so he's able to now articulate more easily with me about when he sees angels and when he sees demons and, and um, just growing in his sense of confidence and authority in that area. So it is definitely, it's the same thing. It's a step-by-step journey as a parent, um, understanding how your kids communicate don't fob it off as this is not real or true. If you're concerned that it's, um, it's not real, ask Holy Spirit to confirm it. Um, mm. You'd also mentioned, you know, imaginary friends. How do we discern what those are? What are your comments on an imaginary friend, Karen? Mm, I think we spoke about it as, yeah, what is the fruit? Um, mm-hmm. You know, what are the, but I think, I mean, I love that you are so open to having conversations with your kids. So I think that really is a key element that it, there is a safe space that they can come and tell you anything. Mm-hmm. Um, because when they're talking to you, you can ask questions, you can engage in that. So, you know, what does it look like? What is, how does it make you feel? Um, so you can start to ask things like that and then you can gauge, yeah, what is the fruit? Is it good? Is it bad? And, and where you go from there. Yeah. Because there are different people that have, um, memories of playing with the, their guardian angel as kids, mm-hmm. having conversations, mm-hmm. playing Lego with them, or Jesus coming to them and playing Lego with them, you know, and, and that side is very real. So we want to create that space of conversation where we are able to help them grow in confidence and, mm-hmm. um, and know that this is normal and, and there is a place to, to grow in understanding on that. So, Karen, knowing how sensitive kids are to the spirit realm and, and all that it entails, what are your comments on nightmares or what we allow our kids to watch or read or listen to or games that they play? So I think, like we spoke about, you know, for adults as well, what you watch, be intentional about what you're letting your children watch. 
Um, but I also think nightmares sometimes are just an attack against um, what the child is carrying and, you know, try to bring fear. So I know for me, as a child, I had a lot of nightmares and things um, and I didn't, you know, I didn't really have speak about it that much. Mm-hmm. So then it brings fear. And once you allow that fear in, it just gets bigger and bigger. And, you know, it eventually made me actually not even want my fear gift. And I even prayed for it to be taken away as a teenager um, because there was no understanding. So I think you really need to have an understanding of um, yeah, what is going on to help your children navigate that space and then come against that fear and remind them that they haven't been given a sort of fear but of power, love and power mind and you know, keep reminding them, like you said, of their authority and teach them of the power of Jesus' name so that they can yeah, take authority when you're not there even if they wake up in the night that they can call on Jesus at any time and he's going to show up for them. Yeah. So, and another thing I think is also um, the armor of God, mm-hmm. you know, to encourage them to put it on every day and you can make it fun. You can make it an activity. You can even build the things um, for every day or even every night if they're having nightmares to put it on before they go to sleep and, you know, just go through the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes, you know, for parents, I understand being exhausted at night because your kids are constantly up. But, you know, for me, I never want them to be terrified at night and left without me helping them navigate a space. Because I have come to realize a lot of the time with my kids, it is a, it's a spirit thing that they are discerning. I've had encounters in the night where there's been demonic presences coming and I call on Jesus and it's like from complete utter fear to so much peace that I can fall asleep in an instant. And that's what our kids are often experiencing. So just to have an encouragement to parents to be maybe a little bit more gentle and discern, ask for discernment. What is going on with my kids at night? Is this something that I need to help them with that possibly is a, just an attack that we do have authority over, but we, we need to help them navigate that. Um, and, and another example with my children is um, they encounter the spirit realm in different ways. Um, one can hear the voice of God and, and has great sense and is now seeing as well. The, the younger one sees all the time. And we had gone out and they weren't happy about us going out. And when we came back, um, we came back that same night, but they obviously spoke to us in the morning. And my youngest one said to me, mommy, Jesus came in while I was trying to fall asleep, but I was missing you too much. And Jesus came and I felt him touch me. And my oldest said to me, he looked at him and he said, but I felt Jesus come in the room. I felt his presence walk in the room. And so I just love teaching opportunities where I can remind them that even though they are experiencing him in different ways, it's a confirmation for both of them that um, it's not a comparison at all. This is about working together. It's about journeying together. And so that they can start to have conversations. And so like I will often say to them, if we're in a space, I'll say, guys, tell me, what are you seeing? What are you feeling? Are you hearing anything? And, and so for them, it's become quite a natural language. And I think as a mom, that's what I would encourage parents just to keep the, as you say, keep communicating, keep creating a safe space. And um, my, my children are very vulnerable or sensitive to watching and reading and hearing and playing different games. And as a parent, I know what their destiny is. And I don't want to create confusion by allowing them to have access to things that are 
are borderline, you know, like programs that are borderline or games that are borderline. And um, because I don't want them to be desensitizing their discernment constantly. And, and for me, that's what I know would happen. So we have a lot of other games that we have fun with. We have a lot of different interactions. We read a lot of stories. They love the Bible stories. They just can't. I mean, we homeschool. So we start with devotions and three or four chapters in, they're like, no, mommy, don't stop. Don't stop. And this is the thing. It's such a special space to create such a love for the word, a love for worship, a love mm -hmm. to be in his presence, a love to, to speak to him and, and, and practice listening to him and getting pictures from him. And so, mm -hmm. you know, my encouragement is to, to make sure that we are creating a space of celebrating how we engage and how we hear and discern in different ways as a, as part of the picture of building the body. And, um, the, the one thing I would want to end on, and I'm sure you've got some other comments, Karen, but I had this vision a while ago during worship and he, God showed me that families are like these golden puzzles. And so the parents are the two bottom pieces and above that are the children and their birth order and everything is destined by God. And so they, they, my ceiling is their platform. And he showed me that because for me, I, th I think there's a lot of comparison in the church. So comparison between gifts and, and how we function and, and well, you had this encounter. So why don't I, and you see, so why can't I, but when there's just the settledness that, that God has put excellence in each of us for who we are and what we're destined to be, we can start to impart that into our children. And that whole comparison and competition is eliminated. And we're able to celebrate who we are and who, the, who each other is. And, um, and God just showed me how all these beautiful golden puzzles were created to click together. So as a family, we are destined and I can only be who I am. I can't fill the space of the top right corner. I'm the bottom left corner. And it's not because I'm in a box, but that's who I am. And likewise, my children are in their place. And then we come together as, as, as a church or, or um, as a greater body. And we are there to click together and work together and function as this beautiful, beautiful picture. And, and that's my encouragement in, to any parent is to recognize the call and the destiny and the position of each child and each person in your family. And to constantly be calling that out and celebrating and recognizing it. What is your encouragement as we wrap these sessions up? Yeah, I love that picture, and I think it, it is it's so true. We do need to learn to work together more. And I think just to remember that your child might not um, engage with God in the same way that you do. They might not see if you see, or they might not hear in the same way. So to really let them explore that, and God is always going to be speaking, so to let them explore how he's speaking to them. Um, I think if your child is dreaming, also to open up that conversation. So like you do with them seeing visions, if they're having dreams, also help them learn to interpret their dreams and how God is speaking to them. And one of the things I found quite helpful is to get the child to um, put a label on their dream or like give it a title or name, mm -hmm. which often puts where the weight of the dream is for them because, you know, we might look at it in a different way and think, okay, well, that must be the most important. But what is the most important element in it to the child? Um, and also just yeah, maybe like help make it fun. So let them make a collage with them together mm -hmm. of like what are the elements in your dream or let them draw their dream out. 
so you can help them really learn to to process that and understand it and interpret my dreams of Holy Spirit. Because the child's nat natural language is play and creativity. So mm -hmm. they may not have words, but they can play it out mm -hmm. and they can draw it or explain it in, that, in a creative way. Even baking. I mean, there's so many different ways of connecting with kids and helping them process it. Mm -hmm. So, Karen, thank you. I've enjoyed yeah. our time together. Um, I don't know if you've got any closing comments apart from that. But yeah, we hope that this has been helpful and yeah, let us know if this has encouraged you and if you've got any other comments or questions and yeah, we look forward to connecting you in a different, with you in a different way sometime soon. Take care.